Hi listeners, let me ask you four questions. Do you like listening to podcasts? Yes. Who's recording this podcast? Where are my you cat. sitting right now? On my butt. Why are we recording this co- this podcast? Hey guys, um. it's Crit Crew. We're going to talk about Hotline Miami. Do you like hurting <laughs> other people? What? <laughs> hey, do you wanna, okay. Do you want to hey, beat come some on. people? Do you like hurting yeah, other that, people? We're going to talk about hyperviolence and hypersaturation. The Hotline wanna, Miami story. Okay, Max unlock? takes a much more educational approach when he gets to intro the episode. <laughs> opposed to me, where it's straight. Did you forget? No, did you did you forget that's a thing in Hotline Miami? The guy with the rooster mask asking you four no, questions. I remembered. No, I know. I remember. I'm aware. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't hey, expect them to sound so casual. But yeah, welcome to the Crit Crew. <laughs> yeah, he's um, ca- business casual rooster rooster faced man. I was gonna bring. The, like bu- I was gonna bring the casual, for sure. Hey, if it was more like business casual, yeah, animal masks for those uh, listeners out there. That was the forgotten intro that no one cared about. <laughs> the for- yeah, All the, right, the forgotten intro where Caleb sandbagged we- me and talked about his cat and then went off mic for a while. <laughs> we have vamped enough, Max. Tell us about this game, Hotline Miami. Hotline. Yes, we've established that. It's a it's a hotline in Miami. Oh my god. Oh wow. Hoorah. Tell me me. No, it is a it is a uh, game published by Devolver Digital, uh, by Denaton Games, the uh, the brainchild of uh, Jonathan Soderstrom from uh, Sweden, I believe. Cool. Um and yeah, it's a top down view hyper violent game. That's uh that's kind of the crux of it. Um it actually was inspired by an old game of him, uh, an old game of his, which he uh, sort of expanded off of. Because uh, he was like, "This is a cool, this is a cool premise." Yeah. But it's not like I don't like the formula it's in right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was so I was watching. This... Um, sorry, I was watching uh, kind of a making of. Um, it was a feature on Complex, um, and it was the two of them making this game. And it started out. You look at the prototype of uh, Hotline Miami. And it was based off a game, uh, Cowboy Cocaine Cowboys. I think the name of it was to give you an idea. So still that sounds, very Florida. That sounds like the no, type no, no. Of game Co- that you would need. Cocaine Cowboys is another thing. It's a uh, super carnage. Oh, okay, that's totally totally it. Um, but you look at the actual um, the the gameplay hook and sort of the aesthetic and it, the the bones are there for sure. Uh, but how they took mm-hmm. it from that point onward is, you know. Pretty, pretty magical. All right, continue. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah Super Carnage was a was a Soderstrom's kind of first project, and uh, he made it when he was. He actually started his first game when he was 18. Uh, Hotline Miami Starting being young. now the f- yeah. He, well, this is now like the finished product. He showed I, it to I was drinking guy, four uh, Dennis Whedon. Good, 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 good. So, uh, so it's not the most important yeah. thing, but can you quickly walk through like the story beats? And again, you don't need to like. I don't know, maybe it is important. It depends on how you want to go about talking about this game, because there's a lot we can do. But I think, like, the general story outline would be helpful if no one knows about this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a very, um... I mean, the general story outline, it's very abstract. I mean, you gotta sort of... You gotta search for, uh, sort of underlying narrative cues. It's a lot of, like, reading articles to get the full premise, but basically... Uh, you play as a you you play as two characters, but you start off as a silent protagonist who is getting uh, anonymous phone calls that are um, t- sending him to kill members of the Russian mob. And there's no rhyme or reason for it, really. Like he'll just kind of get a phone call. It's usually a vague like, 
hey this is this is a uh, mark down the street um we got a we got a couple rowdy kids next door we really need someone to give them a good time I mean, you say thing. russian you Which, say russian mob but like when you first start the game there's even less purpose than that it's just like you get a phone call you no, go yeah, to a place and then you just start killing like mm-hmm. there's really no context no, I, I was the, the russian mob stuff you get from reading um the newspaper a little articles. bit of flavor text yes yeah so basically you're getting phone calls uh they're all kind of they're all kind of vague and like you just go in and then you just play a really fun segment of very violent video games i I remember (laughs) when i first played this game and was describing it to uh my girlfriend i was like it's like a game that you would find on addicting games you know just to date when i was playing this Uh, i was like (laughs) it seems like something you'd find on addicting games but like really good and polished (laughs) It's just it's so polished, um, man. It it plays so well. Uh, the gameplay is kind of like it's simultaneously very fast paced but strategic. Right, frenetic is and the word I would use. Frenetic is absolutely the word. Yeah, and it and it's, it's operating very. Of, it's very difficult. Yeah, yes. pun- punishingly difficult. And I, I think I've never having... hated dogs so much. <laughs> um, I think having that perspective as well. Um, a lot of games have sort of aped it since then, uh, sort of that twin stick, um, dual joystick shooter. Uh, but there's just something to the rhythm of that game uh, that feels it feels very instinctual. Um, it mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like you're fighting the mechanics ever. Um, you're you're always kind of like rapid pace, always with the controls, um, able to do kind of exactly. There's a good flow to mm-hmm. uh, the dual do- joystick shooting, which I, I feel like is is missing in a lot of other types of, of these shooters. Um, I, I always like it as this, like, it, it's, you kind of like, you'll look at a room, figure out how many people are in it, figure out what weapons you have access to, and then just go, just go ham. Yeah. And hope hope you come out on top, and then you kind of like, pray that no one else opens any doors or hears you in the meantime and then you just figure out where to move from there uh you've got a lot of or you just view of the environment bust the door (laughs) i would like to put a pin in this particular moment just in case again like in case no one's played this just to emphasize because i would like to talk about violence later on so like all throughout this like you're picking up like different weapons and like there's like it's very pixelated art but like when you kill things there's like blood all over the place there are like executions you can do that are pretty graphic um it's mm-hmm. just like becomes this like blood-soaked frenzy of like trying to get a weapon and oh then, yeah it's it, like there's there's really upbeat music everything is very saturated color wise you're like playing through a club well also like, like the the map itself is sort of in this rhythm with the music and the violence it's sort of undulating and isn't locked to a specific view it's kind of moving with you which i think adds to mm -hmm. that need to just keep moving keep shooting keep killing Uh, i strongly you get you get you you also get like little bits of like vcr static too which is pretty cool if you have if like you I, i strongly encourage you just look up a picture of this game right now and just look at it just bad. Like you do with a picture, just look at a picture. <laughs> is it worth a thousand words? It's very um, Tell me what's <laughs> The picture the imagery is actually very like you guys have seen the movie Drive? Yeah. No, it's I, on my list. I, I wanted the, to bring that up in this conversation. 
<laughs> it's very it's very inspired i mean it's the same it's a very similar color palette uh they I mean they've said that like they were very inspired by drive well it's it's weird also to look at that prototype from uh 2012 and from from that point like david was saying it looks like an addicting game sort of very vector arty um how they decided on that aesthetic they've they've always had that uh drive to, oh sorry for that sorry for that guys um, to to go for <laughs> um, sort of that uh, Nicholas uh, winding refin aesthetic, um, but it it channels it in such a unique way. It, it doesn't feel like a direct ripoff of that cinematography. It's vibrant and surreal in a way that I, I have not seen pixel art games kind of go after. Mm-hmm. And it, it just, again, contributes yeah, to that sort of outer-worldly feel to the violence. So we, got a, little off, we like, got a little off uh, topic. Max, how does this game, like, end? Like, so you go through and you play multiple levels of just, like, killing things. Where well, there's, this... there's, there's two parts. Yes. So there are two protagonists. There are Jacket and Biker. Um, they're not distinctly named, but no one has no one's given names. Uh, the first person doesn't say anything. The first character is just, like, a you analog. You have no... You know, uh, jacket doesn't do anything. Jacket He's called just, jacket because he wears a jacket. Like he there you kills go. a lot of people. And oh he my wears God. a he wears a rooster mask traditionally, but he wears whatever the fuck he wants. <laughs> you want to be an alligator um, in this game? Go for it. The, go the for first, it. The first playthrough, the first premise, you uh, you're just playing as jacket and killing Russian mobsters, and that is essentially the entire plot through. It ends with you killing the head of the Russian mob. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, then you move to Biker's campaign. Biker is actually in Jacket's campaign about halfway through, and you kill him. So the second campaign takes place. I don't know where relevant to the first one. Well, I mean, it get like you play as Biker, and then you get to that. You play the level where this is going to sound really complicated. You get to the point where in Jacket's campaign he fought Biker, but when you're playing as Biker, you kill Jacket. So it's like you're playing in two timelines at that point. Right. Or, like, you realize that, like, these two can't exist in the same reality or something really, really weird is going on. Because, like, throughout the game... And they're very different. Because, like, Biker has dialogue. Biker's a character. But, like, this this sounds like it's very abrupt, but in Jacket's campaign, like, he's slowly losing his sanity throughout the thing. Like, Like, he'll find random, like, corpses that will, like, disappear and, like, just have conversations with people that, like... Are throwing someday, up blood. Like, that I like alternate between knowing them and not knowing him. So it's like, this is not a narratively abrupt sort of thing that suddenly you're in a weird timeline. Oh, you mean the David Lynch, uh, the David Lynch, um, it's not a red room, but it's essentially the David Lynch, uh, the yes. David Lynch red room. room, red and purple yeah. and yellow and orange and green and blue. So I, I have yes. a, I have a question for you. I don't think I actually made it to bikers side of the story, uh, with jacket, um, kind of in, not in between levels, but occasionally you'll go into a convenience store and talk to Beard. Uh, is that does that happen in Biker's uh, Beard, campaign? Beard's not even in Beard isn't even in all of Jacket's campaign. So that he dies halfway you. through. Okay, if I remember, yeah. yeah. So after the end of every level in Jacket's campaign, there are these interlude scenes, and I'm pretty sure it's been a while since I played that particular part. I don't think Biker has any of those. Okay. There, it's a little bikers is a little bit different. Okay, um, but, but yeah, yeah, he so, doesn't he doesn't have the bearded guy. So tell tell us correctly. how uh, 
biker's campaign ends and then we can really start digging into this yeah so the ending is really interesting there there are two endings depending on if you collect there are secrets throughout the level uh collect a bunch of secrets and hey hey uh pro tip here guys collect all those secrets and then you spell out i was born in the usa <laughs> yeah but yeah, that's 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 a, that's all it is. You you just there's there's a little uh, letter tile in each uh, level, yeah. and you mm-hmm. like a like four you pixel have a word thing. puzzle. You spell out. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, and you can only find it if you're wearing. Well, we didn't even bring this up. Uh, there's a lot of latex animal masks. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, <laughs> and that's kind of the main dynamic. As you play, you collect masks with different powers. Yeah. Uh, the developer included. He just a little side note here. Um, he included it because of his own fears of animals pretending to be humans. Um, okay. So that sure. mm-hmm. l- little layer to it there. Layers yeah. of animals. <laughs> Layers of animals. Um, but, yeah, so if you do all of Biker's campaign, uh, there are two endings, uh, and they don't. it doesn't really... They're, just, they're very different in theme, honestly. I like the... Actually, I like the one where you don't have all the secrets, um, because the ending of that campaign is you go into like a sewer, and there are these two dudes, and they are the guys making the anonymous phone calls. <laughs> and if you don't have all the letter tiles with the "I was born in the USA," you you ask them about it, and they're just like, "Like, why do you care? Hasn't it been fun? I mean, it's just a game, right?" <laughs> yeah. And it gets like really meta because they're talking take- to the player, <laughs> kind of. Yeah, well, like they're not—they're not taking their thing seriously. They're acting like it's a game, and they're just like, "Yeah, whatever. You're killing bad people. It's fine. You're having a good time with it, right?" Yeah. And bikers like, "No, this is nonsense." But at the same time, <laughs> but at the same time, everything they're saying is very directed at the player. Hmm. Um, and that's—I think that's a really interesting ending. But then, if you don't do that, if you do the whole "I was born in the USA," you find out that the people calling it's actually an anti-Russian uh, American, like, nationalist people. Mm-hmm. And they just, they hate Russians. They hate the Rus- Russo-Americans. Russo-Americans. Those are and they're just like, they're like, nah, we're nationalists. We're taking it back. We're getting rid of these Russian mobsters. Um, and then, and like, so that's your reward for getting all the puzzles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I, I honestly don't find that I, I I actually wish the endings were flipped because I think the the really weird meta it's a game hasn't it been fun is more interesting. Yeah, yeah. It definitely has more to do with the whole this whole conversation. There there's more to say about a game that you play and is incredibly violent but is incredibly fun, and then when you look for some kind of answer to the ending, the answer is you've been having fun, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's very much a logical conclusion of what this game is kind of building off of. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a shame that that is not, um, I don't know, that, that should feel, I mean, the default ending. Um, I would like, I have a discussion I would like to start, and I am going to do it right now. Um, so, like, would you guys say that the whole point of this game is to sort of get you to ask yourself about having fun with violence would you agree with that oh absolutely yeah yeah it's okay. it's, bas- it's basically the undertale of top-down hypersaturation oh my God, I'm gonna hang up right now. <laughs> <laughs> um okay so in that case how do you guys feel and I'm, i mean 
I don't I'm, I don't have a specific point about this. I'm just trying to get the conversation started. How do you guys feel about using violence as the main element as an effort to get you to not like to like think about violence by saying I'm, like, "Hey, is this bad or not?" and I, also like saying, "This is fun." Well, it's I hard think to have that's... a conversation of violence without violence. Yeah, but I, mean, I, I think in in this particular uh, particular case though, like it's immediately apparent that something is going to be off, <laughs> you know? So you're kind of like, you can sort of remove yourself from reality and it almost becomes a hyper reality. So to me, it's sort of this like disassociation from consequence. And I, I feel like me as the player, um, I, I don't feel as engaged with like the consequence of mass murdering people. And then, like I said, as soon as you jump into a level, there is there is just something really primal about how the music, the visuals, and the gameplay how how it's sort of working in tandem together. Um, it just it really like gets under your skin, and and you kind of you can't help. It, it feels like a drum beat, you know. Like there's something about a good drum beat that just kind of you can't help but not along to it, and that's mm-hmm. that's what this game feels like to me in a lot of ways. Well, I think an interesting thing to note is the so the game opens with a bearded homeless man teaching you how to kill in oh, yeah, a yeah. in a um, sealed off environment with three rooms of different colors. It's very like it doesn't really exist in a real space and it doesn't mm-hmm. really have any relevance, but it is very interesting. And before you're even before you even start with the killing uh, Russians, um. You already are having because there's there are these segments. It's every couple levels. There's a segment where there are three mass characters: uh, Richard, Rasmus, and Don Juan, a <laughs> a rooster, an owl, and a horse. And they are all sitting in chairs and they question you, but they're questioning you about information you don't know yet. So before you're even killing people, you're asked the question of knowing oneself means acknowledging one's actions. And as of late, you've done some terrible things. So from the get-go, they're already like confronting you about violence okay. before you even really done any violence. Okay. Um, that's the same. I mean, that's that's where one of the one of the there's a lot of great lines from those three. But that's where the "you're not a nice person, are you?" line mm-hmm. comes from. Before you're even killing people, the game is like, mm, "Go get out of here. You're not a good I, person." They, they flush morality out the door. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I, if you guys don't want to talk about this specifically, we can't. I just think it's a very interesting conversation, like just in general. But mm-hmm. so, so I have two response. Well, sorry, I, I have a lot of ideas. I'm just trying to keep them straight. So, do, do, how do you think? How successful do you think that message or that intended introspection is? If like right after that, it's not even that violence is like sort of like a gameplay element. It's like in a way. I don't want to use the word glorifying because it has a lot of connotations. I think it's fair, though. I'd agree with you as a guy. I'd agree with you as a gameplay element. But like, so the whole like, so you're saying like, element. but right. But I mean, on top of that, it's also like you got to kill fast if you want to like get the points. Not like every time you kill someone, like the screen lights up and it's crazy, right. and like you do better for mm-hmm. killing more. So like, do you think that's an effective way of selling that message? I. Absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely. I, I think that's okay. the, kind of the the point is it is an addictive entity and it it's drawing on games of past that 
are quarter busters and you kind of have to keep whacking up a higher and higher it, it's strategic though that's that's sort of the thing is it's unlocking sort of this really um like gut instinct for violence that i think a lot yeah. of us have repressed um you're mm-hmm. kind of acting on instinct and and that's sort of the weird uh revelation that i had playing this game is like you're kind of just bouncing around um picking up weapons that you think are most effective at picking off certain enemies and i don't don't know you're kind of methodically working through an environment but it's happening at such a quickened pace because there there is that carrot on the stick and Mm. i think it's it's deeply reverential to those sorts of arcade um shooters and in this case yeah it, it is glorifying violence and that's for me the the point of it well i i let me ask a question and then I'll, i mean then i'll stop trying to dominate the conversation i just don't want to vamp away from this while we're on it do you think that's like good like like you said that it sort of like taps into something like primal that you're able to like separate yourself from the reality of what the game has you doing mm-hmm. do you think it's like good that you can do that like in terms I, of video games being able to like totally separate yourself from like it's just a video game. It's violence. It's, it's all fake. Do you think it's like... It, I think it's easy to separate yourself because, uh, especially when you're learning the levels, you are dying left and right as sure. well. Sure, sure. I mean, if, mm-hmm. you were, if you were unkillable and just slaughtering people, I would have a different take, but like... Okay. You you do, like, if you don't succeed... It's like, if you, if you mess up a room, you're dead and mm-hmm. you're starting over. Mm-hmm. There's no way if you mess up a room you're gonna survive, and if you do, it's usually something that's not like you're out of. It's like totally out of your control. Like, oh, I can't believe that worked out for the best. And I mean, because just to you like, also you get you get one shot in that game. One right. shot, mm-hmm. you're dead. One shot, they're dead. Um, unless you're it's wearing the unless game. you're wearing the elephant mask. Um, there's a there's a walrus mask too. That oh, that's take the extra one. Sorry, bullets. yeah. Um, just just to like. I, I, I was I don't want to sound like I'm trying to like come down hard against violence. I thoroughly enjoyed this game, but it always makes me wonder why do I enjoy it? Isn't it good that I enjoy it? It's just a conversation that I have with myself a lot when I play this. Like it's 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 interesting. It's, it's just fun. This yeah. game it's, is fun. Yeah. That's the thing. The the gameplay is really good. It's really refined and it's the, the way that combos work, the way that time intervals work, things like using doors, that's really satisfying. Yeah, yeah I, I think when nothing, they start Nothing is more fun than sitting in, a, sitting in a room and just killing people with doors. Yeah, yeah, I think, <laughs> well, like, knocking people back and then, like, running up to them and, like, beating them senseless while they're on the ground and finishing them off is... So... Oh, it's so satisfying. So, I mean, even more than that, like, there are all these moments, like... So it's like top down, you can see the room. So you sort of get an idea of where the enemies are. Mm-hmm. And the AI is relatively predictable. So you're like, okay, I'm going to take this guy down and then move here and here. And there's like always, and almost like every level is always this moment where like you miss a shot and then like more people are coming at you. So you have to like pick up a different gun, like move behind a door. And then you take someone as like a body shield and like you throw them down and barely make the shot on the last one. You're like, oh my God, how did I do mm-hmm. that? And it feels pretty cool, like to be able to like pull off these insane mm-hmm. combos that require like split second decisions. I actually have one disagreement with you. Oh, I perfect. I don't think the enemies are predictable. 
there are so many situations where I'd be like, all right, I'm familiar with this room and this room. I'm going to go for it. And then I walk in and then somebody opens up a door that they didn't open last time and like eight bullets hit okay, me. And yeah. I'm like, okay, <laughs> cool, yeah. I guess. I, there was no hope in that one. Um, and actually, apparently that part of the reason why they like scrapped uh, the first, like the first version of this game and then moved to Hotline Miami is that the AI for the first game was not working at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and but now, but this one, they I think they did a better job. I think it works really well. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, another a, a detail we didn't bring up is you do have to kill everyone. There's no way to mm-hmm. avoid. Oh, it. right. You, you are required by the game to murder everybody in this space. Yeah, if there are right. multiple floors, you have to clear out one floor in order to move up to the next. This ain't no Undertale, boys and girls. No Undertale, <laughs> you're killing everybody. You're fucking right <laughs> about that, David. <laughs> Game of the century. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, that was a good laugh. I hope I didn't blow out the microphone with that one. <laughs> you got me good. Got him you good. got me good, kid. Yep. Um... Yeah, there are just a lot of little details. And even, like, there were some things that this game could have easily been all murder, all the time, all blood, hell yeah. Um, which is a genre I'm coining right now. Yeah, good genre. <laughs> but, good, like, good genre. There, good stuff. Like, like we hinted at earlier, there were some moments where, like, the game sort of, like, broke away from that. So, like, there, yeah, there are these interlude scenes in between everything where you go to a convenience store or something and you talk to a guy pick up a pizza or whatever that's um you start you start every mission in your house yeah, and there's changes. small details that change right and uh there's one level like you run into another guy in a mask at your house and he shoots you and then you wake up in a hospital yeah just oh, and suddenly I like hate, hate that level. and then it becomes this weird like stealth mission in a way where you're like trying to like not get caught by um, guards and doctors the, guys like guards and doctors and if you move too much like the screen gets fuzzy um and it just like breaks the rest of the like it just is a total departure from what you were doing before you're, then. you're kind of reminding me okay you're reminding me exactly where i stopped with <laughs> so not a fan of that part I, i'm i'm gonna be honest with you guys that was the moment where it the forward momentum sort of just completely halted and it became more about pattern recognition and slowly traversing and it just it was frustrating it, it was uh, at one you, level it was frustrating. are you are you telling me caleb heard. you quit when the game made you think no 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 <laughs> uh, yes actually yes but not because of that right i, I, I think i had right? other things I, I needed to play um, around that time, but I remember that being sort of this moment of, huh, when it really you just... makes you stop and breathe a little bit, um, definitely not as engaging oh, I, as I wanted Max, to. I, I... I think I can read between the lines here. Caleb just really wanted a sandwich and then just like got really into it and forgot about the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I see what's going on here. I actually really like <laughs> yeah. that level. I think that that level is, like, it's important that that level is in the game. I just think it's poorly designed. I, I really do. I, I think it's good. I think it's the most intricately designed because there's so many patterns mm. that you have to follow and you don't have a way to fight them. I think it was designed. I think it was designed. <laughs> I'm, I'm David, Mr. Middleman. What a statement. It was, uh, it was designed. That's all I have to it say. It was designed. I, w- I would like to say that it is very refreshing to be called the middleman on this game. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so, no, I think I think my issue is it doesn't necessarily teach you um, proper 
level navigation. So when you're kind of thrust into uh, that environment, you don't really have the proper tools to kind of assess enemy pattern recognition and interactive elements in the environment to properly do something stealthy. That, that wow, is my issue. Wow, we played this game very differently then. Um, because, so here's the thing. Guns are not required. I barely use guns. Guns don't kill people. Jacket kills people. Yeah, baby. <laughs> I don't need guns. I'm looking for knives I can throw and hammers I can hit people with. Um, and if you play that way, like that stealth is the name of the game, dude. Figuring out, yeah, that's figuring out, figuring out where that where that <laughs> dog is going to patrol from. Like, all right, I got to know where that's going to come from because if I turn my right. back and that dog appears behind me, I will be dead. I did try to mix it up. I did not to, not to brag, not to but brag. I'm going to brag. I did 100% this game, so that required, like... Not to toot my own horn, but... But toot, toot! Yeah, that would require a lot of, like, fist combos. Yeah, like, fist, like switching between weapons and getting, like, melee and then switching to guns and then stealing weapons off of people, so... That's that's how I played. Okay. I, I, I switched between both, um, because the melee is just incredibly satisfying, mm-hmm. especially when it's, like, one of the last enemies in a room. Why not? <laughs> Why not show them no mercy? Um, no, no mercy. So, all right. So that's that's just a minor gripe. I'm just re- remembering slowly why I stopped playing that game. <laughs> um, but uh, you stopped. You you stopped in the thick of it, dude. The next the next chapter, <laughs> you was you, dude. The next chapter, you assault a police station after gun okay. down riot squad. Yeah, you should pick it back. They, ch- they they do change things up a lot in that game. It's pretty great. Man, all I can think about when I talk about this game, though, is like anyone listening to this conversation, you sound like a total psychopath. Like I said, a total psychopath. Yeah, it's just. <laughs> and I, it's I, one of those. I really don't have an answer to how I feel about it. Um, can can I just have a like side conversation? I mean, we. Um, That's the name of this about, podcast, like, baby. Yeah, side um, conversations. Kind of tailing off of uh, the static speaks my name and how we you both sort of railed on its shoestring budget and mm-hmm. how it was not necessarily using Unity to the best of its abilities. Hotline Miami was created with a game maker, and that's a fact I didn't know until I did a little bit of research, but all of like the asset generation, um, room randomization, was all through Game Maker. Huh. And you want to talk about something that is like super limited and unable to kind of like break out of its little mold, um, a game like this existing with with that foundation is just like it's mind-boggling to me yeah well that's the the work put in it shows i mean oh they totally really, and i would the, the game is I, I i hesitate to use this word a lot it's pretty perfect in the way that it feels okay absolutely the music i, I would the, agree the music the aesthetic and the gameplay and then the way that the narrative is conveyed in this weird sense of like jumping between the segments of hyperviolence and then your dialogue is like all very cryptic and abstract and interpretive and almost dream segment sometimes. Yeah, it's it's just it's it works the way that all that works together is yeah, phenomenal. It, it, I, I, it, to me, like it is the like the video games as a notion of a power fantasy, and that's something that you know has existed forever. I think this is the logical conclusion of that. And mm-hmm. amping it up to its extreme, and you're playing this nightmare of that fantasy. That's really Ooh. the strength of this game. Hotline Miami, nightmare of a fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, guys. Let's uh, repackage it. 
uh, put it out on the PS4, Xbox One, with that tagline. I, I, that would be that would be called Hotline Miami Two, wrong number, baby. I, I do, I do. <laughs> it's interesting you say that, and this isn't something we can really get into right now. So I don't know why I'm saying it, but here we are. Um, I, I'm sorry. I think we can get into it right now. Well, I, I wonder when you say like the logical conclusion, because you could also make the argument that um, in 2014, when Hatred came out and made a really huge fuss, fuss mm. you could argue that that is very much a game with a similar message to Hotline Miami. It's just presented differently. Yeah, I, yeah. I think my my issue with something like Hatred is it's exploring those sort of thoughts um in the wrong kind of way um looking yeah. at video games as sort of this um social taboo that creates evil in, in all of us using like those sort of like suburban fears and creating a game that's like just edgy like hot topic edgy you know? yeah just like that's yeah, Hotline Miami doesn't really try to be edgy. It just kind right. of tries. It just is. It, it doesn't try to be weird. It just is weird. Real quick, it's unsettling. Real quick, Hatred was a game. It's another top-down shooter, and like you play as a guy with like, just like like to Caleb said, like a hot topic goth, and like the intro cutscene is like the world has ignored me, and I've ignored the world, and I'm angry at the world, and now I'm gonna kill everyone. It's, it's really just like a mass shooting simulator in a way, but. Pretty much, yeah. It's like the yeah. postal. It's like postal except top down, basically. That you know what it is though. Hotline Miami. Oh, you know what? Actually, there are parts. I was about to say Hotline Miami doesn't have a mass shooting feel to it. It kind of. Like you just said you go to a police station. Parts, <laughs> yeah, there are some parts. I was just gonna say. And that's what uh, I was. Talking. I, I redact my statement. <laughs> as long as you, as long as you're not doing the police station level, and you're just like, I'm killing mobsters. Where, where I stopped. <laughs> my morality is good. And that's what yeah. I was saying earlier. Like, I enjoy this game a lot, and I'm able to separate myself from, you know, game and reality. But like, is that good that we can do that? Like, is it okay that we're crossing that line? Well, I really don't I, have I answers. I just think, I think about it's, it. I think it's necessary for. I mean, this the medium itself, like video games has like i said that that power fantasy and i think you need a mirror to sort of reflect on that and it you don't in the moment it doesn't feel uh like you're having any sort of realization it's sort of after the fact when you think about how much fun and just how just how good it is uh to be playing something like this where you start to wonder like oh like why is it that this particular gameplay loop has my addiction has you know that sort of need for me to just keep going back and back um i mean i think so i think i don't think i don't think the violence is what's fun i think that the gameplay is what's fun i know we're talking about a lot yeah i would agree with that um and i know we're talking about a lot of different games but I would say that, you know, Spec Ops The Line definitely sold this particular message a lot better than Hotline Miami did. Hmm. But that will be a conversation for another episode. I'm just... I, I think they're, I think they're huh. different. They're exploring different themes, personally. I, can, I, can. I don't know. I don't know Spec Ops The Line, so that'll be another time. <laughs> I, all, this was just me saying I feel like other games have done this better, and I want listeners to keep note that we will have this conversation yeah, in we'll, the future. we'll get there. That, that good old conversation of violence in video Look, games. Look, we can't have a, we can't have a podcast about video games, and especially about the art of video games, and not get into violence at some point, and then a point and after especially that, and a point is, after that, and especially not talking about Hotline Miami and not talk about violence in video games. Yeah. That's a toughie. 
So, but so do we want to move into our final thoughts, or are there other things yeah. you want to talk about? No, I think uh, yeah. All right. I, I would say uh, a, a sort of closing thought I have. Mm-hmm. Um, when you when you exit Hotline Miami, it has a quick credit sequence where it accredits all the musicians. Mm-hmm. Come on, guys, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. I remember the, the first time I saw that, I was like. Man, that's cool. <laughs> I have mad props for like that's that's super awesome of them. Just like, hey yeah, guys, I, every time you close this game, we're gonna be like, hey guys, El Cuervo, Sun Air, like, come on, play, listen to this moon. music. Um, yeah, and I, I think it sort of like speaks to. I mean, in that development cycle, they said they just were dicking around in Bandcamp finding unknown artists. But if worked. you look at it in the context of like an MTV music video kind of thing, just really poppy and flashy. I think it just kind of adds to that aesthetic of when you exit, boom, little boom, little music. nod to the music. Yeah. Um. All right. So how we're gonna how we end this podcast, like all podcasts, um, if we were writing a book that was like the art history of video games, how do you think Hotline Miami, if it would make it into it at all, what would it be about? What do you think this would I be contributed? It, it really does fall into that... You know, we've been talking about it a bunch, the conversations of violence in video games. Mm-hmm. I think it... While it might not have the head of the table at that conversation, it definitely has a seat at the table. That is, like, an mm-hmm. excellent way of putting it. Damn. It may not be the head of the table, but, like, you, you if you're going to talk about, like, five games that are about violence in video games, I think Hotline Miami would have to be one of those five. I'm not... Because, like, especially talking about art... The game is, I mean, the visual's there. There's a lot of interpretation. There's things to think about. It's an interesting game. It takes up, you know, there's there's content there. I'm not even going to bother offering my input because you said it better than anything I will ever say. Well, <laughs> also, like, just to sort of tail off of that, um, you look at sort of the, the main game that people talk about um, as contributing to um, our violent youth being Grand Theft Auto. Um, you look at the lineage of Grand Theft Auto and how that started as a top-down game that was predicated on car violence and shooting. The fact that Hotline Miami is that exact same dual uh, joystick shooter from that perspective, I think it's like a nice, subtle reminder of what it's trying to talk about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's got a good sequel. Does it? I haven't yeah, played. Maybe two wrong number. While I don't think it's as good as the original, it's good. It's a I good game. It. I will play it. Maybe I should finish Hotline Miami first. Yeah, you, dog. You uh, actually not only maybe you should. You <laughs> you literally probably <laughs> would be uh, terrible if you didn't. If, oh if, wow! If, okay, guys, you kind of have to, you kind of have to for two five episodes of this podcast from now. If Caleb still hasn't played it, we're done. We're, we're done. done. We're finished. We're done. We're done. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So thanks for listening. Um, if you want to tell Caleb to play Hotline Miami, or offer like just like if you want to like tell us how you interpreted this game or you disagree with us, like send us an email. We'll respond because like, what the hell else do I do with my life? Yeah, send us send us your favorite Caleb playing Hotline Miami one and getting frustrated at the medical level fan. <laughs> put, just put me in a gurney, guys. Uh, yeah, you have you haven't seen him, but I want to know what you think he looks yeah. like. All of all of those should be sent to critcrewpodcast at gmail.com. Hoorah! Hoorah!
Um, good job, guys. <laughs> good little job there. Yeah, let's let's cut it there with Caleb saying good job, Caleb. Sorry, guys. Sorry, David. David saying yeah. good job, guys. I, okay, yeah, yeah, Caleb I'm, would not end like that. I'm sending you guys a survey. If you could rate how I did on this podcast, and you guys rate, rate each other, I think. Um, can I good. can I smash it with a baseball bat? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. All right, <laughs> listeners, grab the nearest animal mask. I don't care if it's an alligator, a rooster, or a hippo. A hungry, my, hungry hippo. You got I, it. I've, I've got my horse. Ra- I've got my horse mask okay. on already. Okay. All right, pull it. Pull it. Mask on. Across, mask on. Pull it across I, I, your face. I, I, grab I, the I nearest see a, weapon. I, I see a crowbar on the wall. Yeah. This crit is adjourned. Wait, what does Max do now? (laughs) That's up to interpretation. Okay. (laughs)